night we talked a little bit about purpose. And it's uh, why we talked about why your purpose doesn't matter. Because his purpose is what matters. We can have all kinds of plans for our life. We can come up with all kinds of schemes and things that we could try to do for ourselves. But in the end, God's purpose for us that he preordained before we were ever born, before the, he laid the foundations of the world, that purpose that he had for us is all that matters. And that's all that, that's, that's all that we can do in this earth and be uh, successful. Amen. But today, uh, this message, whenever the, the first time I had heard this and, and studied this out, this, this message here changed my whole life that I'm going to bring to you today. We're going to be talking about priorities. That This Wednesday we talked about his, his purpose for us, and today we're going to talk about his priorities. Um, I'm going to uh, preface this a little bit with, uh, obviously we know that we're in a kingdom, we're not in a religion. Um, this whole Bible is, is about a king and uh, his kingdom and his royal children, which is us. But in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our own image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the birds of the sky, over the fish of the sea, and over all the cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So this is in this first chapter of Genesis, we can find God's original intent for mankind. He did not create Adam so that Adam could walk around in the earth and try to live a nice life until he went to heaven. Adam wasn't thinking about that. God gave Adam a purpose, and he gave him dominion and rulership in the earth. So um, we can see that obviously uh, we know that man fell, and whenever Adam fell, he didn't lose religion. He didn't lose a set of rules and regulations to abide by within a religious code. What he lost was dominion in the earth, and he, for, he forfeited his purpose in the earth. So uh, before Adam fell, you have to understand that he was totally consumed with what God had ordained for him to do. That's it. When God gave him the, the mandate to go name all the animals, God uh, gave him a mandate to be fruitful and multiply. There was multiple things that God laid out and said, Adam, here's what you're to do while you're in the earth. So we understand that Adam was totally and completely purpose conscious. That's all he thought about. He didn't have to think about, man, what am I going to eat? God provided food for him. Because understand, God's purpose he provides for. So uh, he got, God provided food for Adam. He provided water for him. Um, Adam was so completely God-conscious that he didn't even know he was naked. But we know that once sin entered in and once he fell and disobeyed the word of the king, we can, we can see clearly that he became not purpose-conscious any longer, but he shifted and became self-conscious. All of a sudden, something took place in his mind. Something switched. When he was in God's purpose and God's original intent, he was totally conscious on what God wanted him to do in the earth. Then when he fell and sin came in and... and uh, and the enemy, you know, obviously deceived him. We know that he became self-conscious. We can see this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. We'll pull this one up. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Understand, in, in Adam's purpose that God destined him to accomplish in the earth, nowhere in there was loin coverings or spending his energy and his time and his efforts in doing something for himself. So we can see that this immediately took place, that he began to think, what can I do to clothe myself and clothe my wife? What, can, what, what do I need to do for myself here to cover myself? Uh, so we, we can see that at that moment, Adam's priority changed. He went from having God's priorities to all of a sudden his priorities showed up. Because before Adam, all he thought about, all that he was conscious of, all that he spent his time, his energy, all the resources God had given him, he put every bit of that towards accomplishing God's purpose and what God had ordained him to do in the earth. Now at this point, he's starting to use his time for himself. He's starting to in, in, invest his energy in clothing himself. And we're going to look at this a little bit later. But instead of being concerned with his assignment, he began to worry about how to care for himself. But we know that when Jesus came back, Jesus came to restore what Adam lost. See, Jesus didn't come just to die on the cross and raise from the dead so that we could all go to heaven one day. We've got to keep our focus right that whatever Adam had in the beginning before he fell, that's what Jesus came to redeem us back to. Amen? So, so understand, whenever Jesus showed up on the earth, whenever Adam fell, he fell from from just having revelation from God of his purpose, so he fell from information to the earth where all of a sudden everything he saw, everything he touched, his smell, all of his senses then dictated his actions, which wasn't God's purpose and his original intent. 
So when Jesus came back, he had to immediately begin addressing the way people thought because from Adam on until Jesus showed up, people's mindsets weren't the way God intended. So that's why Jesus showed up in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. The first words that he publicly preaches, he says this. Matthew 4, verse 17, he says, For, the, uh, for at that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We know that that word repent, and I know your pastors brought this out before, that word repent means literally change the way you think. Repent's not a religious word where it gets down and you see somebody down at the altar crying, saying, God, please forgive me for everything I've done. That, that's, that's an apology. That's, that's not repentance. Repentance means I'm literally changing the way I think. I'm changing my mindset that will then affect how I operate. When you change, your, when you change the way you think, that changes the way you live. Amen. So Jesus came and there's, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Um, Jesus is saying this again. He shows up and he says, repent and believe the gospel. He said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So Jesus came back. The reason he came back saying, repent, change your thinking, is because he was trying to restore mankind back to an original way to think, back to an original way to live and operate like Adam did before the fall. So that's why today we're going to be talking about priorities. Because you understand that our whole life is the sum total of all the decisions that we make every day. Our decisions define us. Those decisions are determined by our priorities. Um, how we use our time every day eventually will define our life. What you invest your time in, understand when, when you, in your time, I know people a lot of times say time is money, but a more accurate you know, thing to say would be time is life. What you invest your time in is what you'll get out. What, what you spend your time doing every day becomes who you are. So uh, does, wouldn't it make sense that since we have a purpose from God, for us to invest our time in His purpose, we become that purpose. Our life was designed to be very simple. God designed our lives not to be complicated, that we would live very simple lives. And the key to simplifying our life is having the right priorities. Because understand, people a lot of times will say the phrase, first things first. Well, today we're going to be talking about the first of the first things. Because you can't just put first things first. You can't... It's not up to us to decide what the first things should be. Because you understand, if it's his purpose, then he must have priorities that go in line with his purpose. So identifying the correct and right priority of life is the key to living a successful and fulfilled life. That's the key. Because you understand, the enemy is looking for three things out of you. He's looking for your time, he's looking for your resources, and he's looking for your energy. That's it. And the, and the enemy has this trap. And I'll tell you what this is real quick. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. One of the main traps of the enemy is having people do good things. Because the problem is if he can get you to do a bunch of good things that aren't your purpose. Yes, I gave to these people. Yes, I went and worked for the Salvation Army. Oh, I gave to charity. Oh, I went here and I helped clean up the beach. Or I helped clean up our town and, and do this. And you invest your time and your energy and you give to that and you put your resources in that. Even though that's a good thing, it might not be the right thing for you. So, so what helps us define the, the difference between right things for us and good things for us is our priorities. So I want to give you the, de the definition of priority is defined as this, the principal thing. Putting first things first. Establishing the most important thing. Your primary focus. Placing in order of importance. Placing the highest value and worth upon something. And it's the first among all others. That's what priority means. Our priorities determine the quality of life and they dictate all of our actions. What you place priority on, what you view as the most important thing, that will determine your actions. Your whole life will, will revolve around what you set as your number one priorities. Amen? So we want to look at a few things this morning. Um, Romans chapter 12. If we turn there together. I'm telling you, this is exciting because you understand, after today, we're going to leave here with total clarity and knowing what it is God expects of us and what it is that God desires for us to accomplish here in the earth when we accomplish his purpose. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by, renewing, by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Um, Pastor Mark had brought this out in a class that, that he taught, and I wrote it in my Bible. Um, but he said that word prove means allow in this, in this scripture. 
So when it says, be transformed by renewing your mind, that you may allow what the will of God is, that you may allow God's will in your life. It's not that we're trying to prove that it's his will. It's that we're permitting his will to happen through us as we transform the way we think, not like the world thinks, but we think like God wants us to think. So if we look at this, it says, do not be conformed to the way the world works. Uh, I'm going to take the next couple minutes and explain. Here's what the whole world is looking to and and looking for. Uh, I don't know if anybody in here went to college and studied Maslow's theory of the hierarchy of human needs. I didn't, but I read about it. So... (laughs) But uh, basically, this, this guy, Maslow, went and studied all over the world, all kinds of tribes, every nation, every, everywhere in the world, and tried to come up with a list of mankind's priority in order of what everyone in the whole earth is seeking after. So the list goes like this. Number one is water. Everyone in the whole planet, whether there's some tribe in Africa, wherever, their number one thing is to find water. Why? Because we're made out of water. If you don't have what you're made out of, you can't exist. So the number one priority for man is water. The next priority, number two, is food. They've got to find food. Uh, number three is clothing. Number four is, is housing. Or, and number five is protection. Those things kind of go hand in hand. They're looking for housing, some kind of shelter, some kind of protection from the elements. Um, I'll read the, these last few. Uh, six is security. Seven is preservation. Eight is self-actualization. And uh, the ninth thing is significance. And understand, these are in order of importance. He put these in mankind's order of priority because you'll risk protection in order to get food for your family. People are willing to give up their house in order to go get water. So, so, So the priority of mankind, everybody from the beginning of time, has been water, food, clothing, housing, protection, all those things. So we can see that basically all these things are just survival. Also, all mankind, their pursuit, what they pursue, what they seek after every day is basically just to survive. You understand, God's purpose for us is not for us to just try to survive while we're in the earth. He wants us to thrive and accomplish his will and the destiny that he's assigned to us here. So it would be a shame for us to try to to do the same thing the rest of the world is doing. We're not supposed to be conformed to the way they think. We're supposed to follow his will, his purpose here. So that's why uh, if if you look at at, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 with me, we're going to spend some time in Matthew chapter 6 and read some things that Jesus had to say about this. Because understand, from the beginning of time, all over the planet, all mankind is seeking after these things. Food, water, clothing, housing, protection, those things are what they invest their time. I mean, people will hold down two jobs. They'll work all night at one job and wake up and sleep and then get another job. Why? So that they can provide water, food, clothing, all these things for their family. But if we look here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus says this. He says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat, what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. For is life not more than food and the body not more than clothing? Man. So when Jesus shows up, he immediately addresses the entire planet. That word worry means this. It means to consume in thought, to establish as our first interest. It means your mental preoccupation, your priority concern, fretting or fear of the unknown. Worry means that you're spending your time, you're thinking about it, you're constantly thinking, how can I get these things? How can I seek these things? You're letting your your mind do that. Your actions are always towards how can I get more of these things whenever this is just stuff to survive. And Jesus says, don't worry about that. In fact, later on, Jesus says in the same passage, he says, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what are we going to wear for clothing? So he's saying, don't even spend your time thinking about those things. Well, what in the world are we supposed to think about then? I mean, because that's what the whole world's thinking about. I mean, we've been there. I've been there. That You're trying to figure out how, do, how am I going to survive? How am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to provide for myself? These are all noble things that we want to do, but understand as we begin to, to look at this and understand God's priority and what he wants us to think on. Let's look at this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, the very next, next scripture. We're going to read here for a minute. Amen. You love the word? He says, Look at the birds of the air, how they do not sow, nor do they gather or reap into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Who feeds them? 
the heavenly Father. Are you not worth much more than they are? I'm telling you, God didn't give them a, a divine destiny to, to affect and change the earth. He gave that to us. I mean, how much more does He care about us and uh, providing for our purpose than He does for a bird? And yet He even takes care of the birds. So if He takes care of them, how much more? Amen? Let's keep reading. It says, And who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow, and they do not toil, they do not spin. Yet I say that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? I mean, he's addressing these people saying, you have little faith if you're not trusting that God can provide for you better than you can provide for yourself. Amen. This is good. So we're going to look at verse 31 here. It says, So do not worry then saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. By Gentiles, he means the whole world. All mankind, everybody you know, everyone you work with, everyone that you spend time with, your friends, your, your relatives, they're seeking these things. And the second part of the scripture says, for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. This list to survive. God knows you need it. He knows your family needs food. He knows your family needs water. He knows your family needs clothing. He knows your kids need new shoes. He knows that you need to live in a house. He knows you need electricity to survive. He knows these things. Yeah, we think so. You might not need electricity. You might be able to live in a cabin somewhere on 100 acres or something. But understand, verse 33 states God's number one primary priority for our lives. He says, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All these things, all these things we just read, all these things that everybody is seeking and pursuing to try to gain a hold of and get for their, their families and enhance their lives with, all these things that we just talked about, it says God will add to you. So we have to understand in looking at God's priority, it's not that God is saying, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness first and then have a bunch of other stuff after it. Nowhere in here does he say to seek those things. Apparently, God has its plan, your purpose so planned out that if all you do is accomplish your purpose in the earth, all the provision will always be there for you to accomplish that. Remember, like I said before, Adam was in a mindset of, if I just do what God has said, and I just live according to what God has told me my purpose is, everything I ever need will be met for me. Because you understand, who you work for is obligated to provide for you. Now, the problem is, too many people get in this mindset that's incorrect thinking, I'm working for my boss, and my boss needs to provide for me. When there's only two people you can work for, there's only two, yourself and God. That's it. So you understand, as you work, even though you're working for an employer and they might cut you a check, the bottom line is, if you're working for yourself to provide all this stuff for yourself, you're obligated to provide for yourself. And, and all that pressure rests on your shoulders. However, if we're working for God and accomplishing God's purpose, and we're constantly seeking Him. And when it says seek His kingdom first, we're not, I'm not saying in any way, right now, go quit your job and go sit at home and read the Bible all day. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what that means. When it says seek the kingdom, that means seek your purpose in this kingdom. Seek the place that He's given you, because He gave Adam an assignment to do. Because I understand the Bible says a man doesn't work, a man doesn't eat. I understand that the Bible says if a man doesn't provide for his own household, he's worse than an infidel. It says that. But the problem is, what is the work we're supposed to be doing? That's what we have to define. Remember I said that that was the second of those greatest questions. The greatest challenge in life is knowing what to do. So we can't just do just anything. We need to do the right things. And the right things for us are within His purpose and His plan for us. That's why we have the Holy Spirit that your pastor's been ministering on for, the, for weeks. Is that we're able to sit down with the Holy Ghost because He knows our purpose. He was there when God, when God wrote out our purpose. He was there when God formed us and placed gifts and talents within us to accomplish this purpose and created us for this destiny. The Holy Ghost was there. So that's why we've got to spend time in His Word, developing our character, knowing who we are in Him, and then spend time with the Holy Ghost in prayer saying, reveal to me what it is I'm supposed to do here on this planet. Because I'm telling you, God said, if you seek me, you'll find me. If we seek while we're here, He'll show us while we're, while we're here. James says, if any man lacks wisdom... 
Let him ask of God. Who gives freely? Who gives liberally? So I'm telling you, as you seek, that word seek is important. As you seek his purpose for you, as you seek his, your assignment in his kingdom, and you seek to live rightly, that's what righteousness is, to live in right alignment with the word and with this governing standard, everything else the world's looking for will run you down. You don't have to pursue what everybody else is pursuing. As kingdom citizens, we should look different because we're pursuing one thing, and that's the Father's will for our lives. That's it. We don't have to pursue the provision for that because we're working for God, and God's obligated to us. Amen? So God knows that we have these things that we need. Um, Pastor Mark said this quote, and I've got it written down in multiple places in my Bible, and I've got it in here in these notes. Uh, He said, when you seek the kingdom first, you'll find that's all the seeking you'll ever have to do. Because understand, when God said, seek first the kingdom and, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When he said that, he didn't say, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, then you can seek water and food and clothing and protection and provi- provision for your family. He didn't say to seek anything else. Just like whenever he said, you shall have no other gods before me. He wasn't implying that, just make sure I'm the first of the gods and everything, and you can have other gods after me. When God places priority on something, this is it. The kingdom and righteousness. This is our pursuit. These are our number one priorities in life. That means this is the most important thing to us. The, the reason that it makes life simple when you set these priorities is because my wife and I, we live a very busy life, but it's effective. Because the only way to live busy and effective is to be effective doing what God says effective doing your purpose we might live busy but our life is very simple because it's not hard for us to determine is this in line with our purpose or is this just something that we're just doing for what some other reason we don't get involved in a whole bunch of charities we don't get involved in a whole bunch of you know community activities and stuff because god's assigned us to anchor faith church in saint augustine so whatever god's wanting to do in the city we're going to do that through our assignment it's not difficult for us to go oh man but they're going to go clean up the trash on the beach today and that's such a noble thing and that's good we don't want to waste our time doing a good thing when we need to be investing our time doing the right thing. Because like I said before, the enemy wants your time, your resources, and your energy. There's multiple things we could give our money towards and, and, and try, you know, be a benefit. And people look at us and go, wow, what great people. But in the end, Jesus isn't gonna, we're not going to stand before our Lord and Savior and him say, you know what, you did a lot of good things for people. Good job. All he's going to say is, did you do what I purposed for you to do in the earth? Did you do what I assigned to you there? You say, but, but Lord, didn't, I, didn't they say that in the Bible? I mean, he separated them and said, looked at this group. And they said, but Lord, didn't we cast out d- the demons in your name? Didn't we heal people in your name? Didn't we do all these good things? And he said, depart from me, I never knew you. Whoa! These are people that were doing good stuff. But apparently they weren't doing the right stuff for them. Because understand, we could go, you know, go live in Puerto Rico. We could move up here to Anchor Faith Valdosta and come in here and do worship every Sunday and, and do all this. But understand, that would be a waste of my time if it's not what God says to do. I, I, I would get to heaven and say, God, look what I helped them build in Valdosta. Or look what I helped them build in Puerto Rico. And look what all we did. And God would say, you failed because you were successful in the wrong assignment. I don't want that to happen to me. <laughs> That's why I'm going to follow the Holy Ghost. I'm going to continue to follow His lead and just stay, uh, stay faithful and purposeful where He's placed me for the time that He's placed me. Amen? So we're going to look at a few things here. The word seek there, when He says seek first the kingdom, that means to pursue, to study, to explore, to understand, to learn, and to consider. People who seek, they've got to have a desire to know and possess a passion for the object they're seeking. To seek means that you'll give diligent dedication to and preoccupy yourself with that which you're seeking. That means you're going to be diligently dedicated to your thoughts, your time, everything. Your life will revolve around what you're seeking. That's why we can see people who are going to work and, 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 and pursuing these things that the whole world's pursuing. Their whole, it's like they become the job. Have you ever heard that term? Or they're working for the man. That man they're working for is themselves. That's why it's so important to find what God has for us to do. We need to make sure that the kingdom is our primary focus. That means that it can't have any other competitors. Because you understand, in the enemy's ploy to try to steal our time, our energy, and our resources, he's, he's going he's gonna to use good things, but he's also going to um, 
I mean, if you think about your life and how it is, your friends, your family, your relatives, your job, all these things are competing together for your time. Uh, we live in a world full of competing alternatives. That if we're not doing this right now, there's always an alternative. We could always go do this. But if we don't want to do this, we can always choose to do this. So we're always having to choose what we do with our time. Or, and, and the TV is, is pulling for your time. And you can, it'll suck away four or five hours without you even knowing it. That's why it's so important that we have this always in the first place in our mind. Our number one priority, everything that we do hinges around our fit in the kingdom. I mean, that's why we can't, Wednesday I said, we can't devalue this time when we come here. The reason we have pastors that are so good and the reason God has called us up under anointed men and women of God that preach and teach the word, that can you know, keep watch over our souls, the reason he's done that is because he has a destiny for us and the fivefold ministry is here to equip us to accomplish that destiny. That's why we're here. That's why we can't devalue our equipping time. That's why we can't devalue coming here. You understand, people, a lot of times people will miss church because they don't feel good. But they won't miss work. Why do you think that is? And, and I know this is tough. <laughs> but it's because priorities. It makes you wonder, who, who are you serving? Amen. If we look here, I want to look at a couple of examples um, of people who sought the kingdom first and it worked out for them. Let's, let's turn to First uh, Kings chapter 3. We're going to look at the life of Solomon. First Kings chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 10. Uh, and let me preface this a little bit. Solomon, uh, King David has just died and Solomon has became king. He has entered into his assignment in this planet. And that is to rule the people of God. God's people. And his, his father, is, who God said was a man after his own heart, and uh, Solomon, as he's picked this thing up, he realizes at this moment, he's, he's talking to the Lord about what, what he now has to accomplish in the earth. And he says, Lord, if there's anything you can give me, if we back up to verse 9, uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, it says, so give your servant an this is Solomon asking of God, he said, so give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours? First of all, Solomon recognized these are God's people, not my people. So, the, uh, so there's, there's a, a, a weight that he carried with this knowing I need to lead them right. Because remember, we're not in a religion, we're in a kingdom. So Solomon was saying, Lord, I want your kingdom the way you would rule these people. I want to have your mind and your heart on the matter so that I can rule here like you would. Doesn't this look like what God's original intent was? Is that God would rule, rule the earth through mankind? Solomon's saying, I want to be that man that you can rule through. You give me wisdom. You give me understanding how to rule your people this way. And then it says in verse 10, And it was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said to him, Because you have asked this thing, and you have not asked for yourself long life or riches, nor have you asked for yourself the life of your enemies, but you have asked your, of yourself for yourself discernment to understand justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. And behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart so that there will be no one like you or after you. Uh, I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, and that there will, be, um, there will not be any kings among you like you all your days. And if you walk in my commandments and keep my statutes and commandments as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. So you understand, this is a prime example of Matthew 6.33 right here. Solomon said he could have asked for wealth. He could have said, Lord, provide you know, food for me and my whole household. He could have said, give me the lives of all my enemies that, that, that I would have no enemies in the earth. He, he would say, Lord, give me long life. There's all these things he could have asked. But it's, it's easy to see his heart and what his pursuit was. He said, Lord, give me wisdom to judge your people. He said, Lord, provide for me the ability to fulfill my assignment here in the earth. That's what he's asking. And God said, because you sought that first, and you didn't ask me for wealth. You didn't ask me for food, water, and clothing, and housing. You didn't ask me for what the rest of the world would ask for. Not only am I going to give you what you asked, but I'm going to add everything else to you. You understand that word add doesn't mean you worked for it. It doesn't. 
if, if, if Chuck comes and he, he does a, a job for me and I pay him, I didn't add the money to him. I paid him for what he did, for services rendered. However, if God just tells me to bless Chuck and I go up and I give him something, that became added to his life. So when God's saying, I'm going to add these things to you, you can't be, be in a mindset of, Lord, I'm working your kingdom and you're going to pay me for this. No, we do the kingdom because we're passionate about the kingdom. We do our assignment because there's nothing else for us in this earth. I'm telling you, there's, there's nothing else for me to do but God's will. Anything else would be completely, I would, be, I would live empty, I would live depressed, I would, I would have no peace, no joy. The only place that you can find true peace, true joy, true fulfillment is accomplishing His will for your life. That's it. So I want to, uh, you know, we, we've seen that how Solomon obviously sought the kingdom first. I want to look at Matthew chapter 13. Because I'm telling you, this is exciting. Once you recognize your destiny in this kingdom, once you see the kingdom, because how many of you all, the first time you heard the kingdom message, something on the inside of you just went off. And you said, that's truth. And as you begin to study it out, you realize, this is the gospel. This is the message that Jesus proclaimed, that the apostles proclaimed, that, that all the disciples were proclaiming. This is the truth. I'm telling you, as you recognize your purpose in this kingdom and begin to fulfill what God has assigned to you to do in this earth, when you begin to live for the reason that you were born, there's nothing else that can ever replace that. Matthew chapter 13, let me get there. We'll start in verse 44. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Didn't we just sing that this morning? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid again. And from the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys the field. The next one in verse 45, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a merchant that was seeking a fine pearl. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and went and bought that pearl. Now this is Jesus giving us a type and shadow. The kingdom is like this. You're searching for something your whole life. And really what we're all searching for is our purpose, the reason we were born. And once you find that assignment in his kingdom, it's worth giving up everything you ever had until, uh, up until that moment. Because you understand, this guy that found the treasure, when he went away, it says he sold everything he had just to have that treasure. The person with the pearl, once they found that pearl, apparently it had such value that he was willing to go and sell everything he had, give up his entire life, everything, and have the pearl. So apparently this thing of value was so valuable to them that in the end, all they had was the pearl. In the end, all he had was the treasure. I'm telling you, once you get a revelation and understanding of your assignment in this earth and the purpose that God has predestined you to, to accomplish and this destiny that he's laid out for you, once you get a, a hold of that, it's, it's worth you giving up everything. I'm telling you, God, God's, this word is worth more to me than anything else in the world. You understand that your friends, your friends can let you down, your family can let you down, the, your employers can let you down. There's multiple people that can let you down, but as you stay rooted into this word, God will never let you down. If it was a purpose that you came up with on your own, you know what, it's really destined to fail. But as we saw Wednesday night, when God has a purpose, it never fails. When God speaks something over your life, it will always come to pass. So we can, we can be confident knowing this assignment we have in the kingdom, apparently if it's worth us giving up everything to follow it, apparently somebody's going to have to provide for us. And that person that's going to provide for us is the one who gave us the purpose in the first place. Amen? It's a treasure. Um, let's look at Luke chapter 18. Actually, first, let's go over to John chapter 8. No, sorry, go to Luke 9. <laughs> We're jumping all around. It's good for us, though. Luke chapter 9. Let's see this. Because understand, for you to fulfill your assignment, it will cost you your life. It might be a tough pill to swallow. But I'm not saying that it's necessarily you're going to physically die in the earth. 
But remember the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he said, it's I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ, God, God's purpose living in me. Me walking out God's purpose in the earth. So you understand, whenever I made him truly Lord of my life, Josh Clay died that day. That means all the plans that Josh Clay had, all the dreams, all these little hopes that Josh Clay had, died and were buried. And what rose up within me, the new creation in me, became God living through me in this earth. So we want to look at this in Luke chapter 9. We'll start in verse 61. Let's go back. We can start in verse 57. It says, And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, talking to Jesus, they said, I will follow you wherever you go. So Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, the birds uh, of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So Jesus said to another, Follow me. And he said, Lord, permit me to first go to bury my father. And he said to him, Allow the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And in verse 61 it says, Another said, um, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to go to uh, say goodbye to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is, back is fit for the kingdom of God. You understand, these, both of these people said a specific word. Is that he said, okay, follow me. And they said, we'll follow you, but first. See, they had the wrong first. You understand, as you begin to fill your, fulfill your assignment in the kingdom, the, your, your loyalties and, the, and the, those that you'll place value on become the, just the king and placing value on him. Your loyalty becomes to him and him alone. This person said, but, you know, Lord, let me go bury my father. And Jesus said a hard statement. I mean, if somebody said that, if you said, my father passed away, and I've got to go bury him, let me go do this. And Jesus said, no, no, no. Let that take care of itself. You follow me. People would get all bent out of shape about that. Whoa, whoa, you know, this is my family, my family. And they have all these family ties. When the next person said, okay, I'll follow you, but let me go say goodbye first to my my family, my parents, and my siblings. Let me go say goodbye. And he said, that's the wrong first. If, if you've got to look back and you can't just press on with me from here on and just come follow me, then you're not worthy of the, the kingdom assignment that you, you've been given. I'll tell you, what did, what did Jesus say? I mean, Jesus himself, his, the ties to his family, in, in, uh, I believe it was around uh, John chapter 5, I think when Jesus said, um, they said, your mother and your brothers are coming. He's out ministering and fulfilling his purpose. And they said, your mother and your brothers are, are coming. They're asking where you're at and they want to talk to you. They want to see you. And Jesus froze and said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? He said, those who do the will of my father, they are my family. They're my real family. So understand, in this kingdom assignment, you can't, you can't completely just always be tied to blood family and all that. You've got to be just tied to the purpose and those who God assigns to fulfill the purpose with you. Um, Luke chapter 18. We can see here that this is when Jesus uh, comes across the rich young ruler. And Jesus shows up on the scene, Luke chapter 18, verse 18. It says, The rich young ruler comes and questions him and says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Uh, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And the rich young ruler said, All these things I have kept from my youth. All these things I've done. I've done all these things. And Jesus said, Okay, there's one thing you still lack. Sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor, that you shall have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Now understand, let, let me be very clear. God's not saying to us today, sell everything you have and you know, get rid of your house and your clothes and you just have the clothes on your back and you walk and just follow my purpose. That's not what he's saying. But what he was testing is, what is his priorities? What's first place in his life? Because is following me his number one primary concern? Is following me the most important thing to him? And we can see that the rich young ruler's answer was this. It says, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. He had the wrong first. You understand, his wealth and his possessions were more important than following God. The things that he had accumulated in his life, the lifestyle that he now uh, was living, was more important to him than his assignment in the earth. His priorities were all wrong. If we jump down to verse 28. 
It says that Peter, uh, Jesus finished talking about the rich young ruler, and then Peter said, Behold, we have left our homes and followed you. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much in this life and in the one to come eternal life. So God's saying, God's always trying to get our mind, our mind to change from thinking of ourselves to just look at how faithful he is. He said, no one has ever gave up themselves and died to themselves and not gained so much more in life. I had big dreams and big aspirations as, as a teenager of things I wanted to do and plans that I had and things, but whenever I just made the choice, I don't care what it is, I'm just going to do what God wants. This has been the greatest adventure of my entire life. I've seen more things. I've gone, been through more things. I've, I've, you know, he's brought me before great men. I mean, the, my, whole, my whole life has been the greatest adventure because I just chose to follow him. All the things that I wanted and all the desires in my heart that I thought I wanted, I was, I was beating my head against the wall, so to speak, trying to get the desires for myself. When all along God's saying, let me give you the desires. Because he's the one that put them there in the first place. And whenever people say, well, God will give me the desires of my heart, yes, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. In fact, if we translate that another way, God will give you the desires of your heart. He'll place desires in you. I'm telling you, I've said before, in following God's purpose for my life and his plan and his will for my life, there's things that were in my heart I would have never known about had I not just followed him. There's things that have given me such joy and fulfillment thinking, I never would have done that myself. Yet I feel so fulfilled right now doing this. Amen. God's so faithful. that No one, no one has ever given up something that God hasn't added it back. No one has ever pursued the kingdom and not gained back so much more. That's why he said it's a priceless treasure. I mean, you you can tell the value people place on the kingdom and their assignment in this kingdom, but you know, by the priorities that they set. If they're constantly preoccupied with other things, or they're constantly constantly preoccupied with trying to get things for themselves and and, and amass wealth for themselves, they don't see the true value. Because you understand, I like to think about it like this: the guy that found the treasure in the field and went and sold the treasure, uh, went and sold everything he had to possess the treasure. Apparently, there was enough in that treasure to sustain him for the rest of his life. Apparently that treasure contained enough that he didn't need any of this stuff anyway. It was everything to him. So that's what the kingdom is for us. Like Pastor Mark has said, he said, once you begin to seek the kingdom, you'll find that's all you have to seek. Because everything else will be added to you. Everything else, Pastor Earl says this, he says that when you, when you chase and pursue after the kingdom and your assignment and follow that, everything else will chase you down. Everything else will run you down. I mean, my wife and I, as we've just stayed faithful to do what God said and stay faithful in our assignment and coming to church, doing our fit in the church, and letting that be our number one priority and nothing getting us off of that. Nothing competing against, well, this Sunday maybe we could go. You understand, this is the first service, the first Sunday service I've missed in, in about three years down there. And obviously I'm not really missing because I'm here still at Anchor Bay Church. But when, whenever you do that, we've, had, we've been blessed hand, you know, hand over hand. I mean... People give to us, and it's nothing that we're seeking out, nothing that we're finding, but we just find that as you accomplish God's will, he, he, he gives you that. It says that the willing and obedient will live a satisfactory life. It doesn't say that. It says the willing and obedient eat the good of the land. I mean, as you live in this kingdom, people try to think, oh, you've got to live humble. You've got to live in these humble means and have humble you know, humility. Humility just means that you're saying, Lord, I can't do this on my own. It's not walking around in the crappy clothes and walking around, you know, it, it barely, you know, eating all the bargain brand. There's nothing wrong with that, but, I mean, the willing and obedient eat the good of the land. We don't have to beg for anything. God wants to bless us with the best. You understand whenever an ambassador for an, another country, we're in a government, right? So when an ambassador from another country goes over to a foreign land, the government takes care of them. And they don't live like the rest of the people in the land. They live good. They got the good green grass where there is no grass. They got the good, huge mansion full of air conditioner where there's little shacks that have no air conditioner around them because the government, as they do the government's work, the government provides for them. Just as we do the king's work and we do his will, he's obligated to provide for us, not us. Because people have asked me before and they've said, you know, okay, well, I'm supposed to provide for my family. Isn't that a good thing? You know, is it that you're supposed to provide for your family or you're supposed to accomplish your purpose that will qualify you to have your family provided for by someone who can provide for your family better. Did you get that? Right. Right. 
Because I'm telling you, as we, as we seek God's purpose for our lives, at times it might not look like the world's way of doing things. At, at times it might seem like money's been tight for us. But we've never missed a meal when we needed one. We've had actually extra meals, if you can tell. That's why this shirt's a little tight. We, we've, we've, we've never, you know, we've never gone without rent. Might have been late before, but we never miss living in a house. We've never missed not having electricity in our house. Though the world might view it a different way, the bottom line is, as we've done God's will, He's sustained us and takes care of us the whole time. Amen? This last person we want to look at here that's an example of seeking the kingdom first is Jesus. You understand, Jesus, as He lived in the earth, He wasn't poor. He didn't lack anything. Jesus, whenever He lived in this earth, uh, it says that... Uh, Judas, his treasurer, was skimming off the top. You can't skim off the top of a couple pennies and, no, and nobody notice. I mean, apparently Jesus had enough finance coming into his ministry that even the disciples, whenever they went to feed the 5,000, the disciples' first response was, you want us to go in town and buy food? For 5,000 people? That's a lot of money. Back then, now, whenever, if they were willing to say, you want us to take out of our treasury and go buy five, you know, 5,000 loaves of bread? So Jesus had wealth. He was taken care of. But if you look in the... Uh, John chapter 8. We'll see what Jesus' priority and his main concern was in the earth. He said, I speak the things which I have seen with my Father, therefore you also do the things which you have heard from your Father. So Jesus is saying, I don't speak anything on my own initiative. I'm not speaking anything of myself, but I'm just speaking what the Father has told me to speak. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 34. This is G- As Jesus was accomplishing his purpose, they, the disciples came up to him and said, Rabbi, eat. And he said, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And then all the disciples got together, and, and to paraphrase, they got together and said, did anybody see Jesus eat a cheese sandwich earlier? Or did, did Jesus have like some fish or something? Because he said that he's, he's got food that we don't know about. We were going to give him some food. But, and then Jesus comes back and makes this statement. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Understand, Jesus lived, breathed, and ate God's will for his life. Now, this isn't saying that Jesus went without food just to do God's will, but though there could be a time that he did. But the bottom line is, his food, what he... What he craved and what it is that he lived for, he wasn't pursuing food like the rest of the world pursues food. That wasn't number three on his list. His number one and his only concern was to accomplish the Father's will. John chapter 5. Jesus says this. He says, I can do nothing of my own initiative as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. We also know that whenever Jesus was praying in the garden, uh, before he was to offer up his life um, on the cross, Jesus was saying, he said, Father, if this cup can pass from me any way, let it pass, but not my will, but your will be done. These are all statements that show Jesus' number one top priority. The most important thing in his life was doing the Father's will. So as we're supposed to follow Jesus' example, what should be our number one priority in life? The Father's will. And I'm telling you, there's, there's no greater life to live. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. We'll look at this real quickly. Proverbs 8, verse 17 and 18. It says, I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. Riches and honor are with me in enduring wealth and righteousness. So it's not, it doesn't say poverty and, and, and a humble life are with me. No, he's saying riches and honor. As you follow him and seek his purpose only for your life, and you pursue that instead of pursuing riches and wealth, instead of pursuing these other things, God gives those things. He adds those things to us. Everything that we're craving and wanting in life comes when we fulfill His purpose. 
That's why I said when people say, God will give me the desires of my heart, you can examine real quick. Are they pursuing the desires for themselves? Or are they letting God truly add the desires to them and give them what it is they're desiring? So the, the question today wouldn't be just to say, you know, why are you at your job? Go quit your job and go find out your purpose. No, it's just to cause you to think, why do I do what I do? Why do I go to work every day? Because the Lord can assign you to a job. He can assign you to work at McDonald's. And I'm telling you, you and, and if God assigned me to work at McDonald's, I would do that with my whole heart, excited because I know McDonald's isn't my provider. When God's assigned me to a place, he's the one that's obligated to provide for me. So that check's irrelevant. That paycheck doesn't really matter. When God assigns you to a place, it's so that you can affect an influence for his kingdom and have an impact for his kingdom and, and fulfill the assignment that he's destined you to have in his kingdom. That's why he does it. So are we going to our job every day thinking, you know, uh, I'm doing this so that I can get food and water for my family and clothing for my children and, and, and so that I can pay my rent and this is why I go work and this at the end of the day I'm worn out and my, and my energy's been exhausted and it, it's all because I've been pursuing survival? Or at the end of the, of, of the day are you gave out and exhausted because I know I gave every bit of my energy this day for the kingdom and for his assignment for me? I mean, that's the most fulfilling thing you'll ever experience is knowing that my body is exhausted because I gave everything I had for the king. I'm telling you, there's construction days that we'll do at uh, Anchor Faith Church and uh, the big construction projects we jump into. There's, there's times where we'll pull, you know, 15, 20-hour days uh, at times. And at the end of the day, you're just so exhausted and worn out thinking, oh, my gosh. But you're so fulfilled knowing every bit of this, this you know, my scraped-up knuckles or every bit of this energy and this sweat that I poured out today has been all for the king. I mean, that's what we want to strive for is that why do we do what we do? Are we, are we serving the king or are we serving ourselves? Because in his will and his plan for our life is the only place we'll find true fulfillment. And I'm telling you, you'll never be disappointed or let down by following him. Amen? So let me close in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, for the word this morning. I thank you that as we set our priorities uh, on, your, on your priorities and we line up our life with the, what you want us to pursue... Lord, as we pursue your kingdom and we pursue your righteousness and make that our number one primary concern that nothing else can compete with, I thank you that you'll begin to add things to us, Lord, that we never could have added to ourselves. Lord, that you'll, you'll reveal us to our purpose every day, Lord. Reveal to us what it is we're supposed to accomplish in this earth. And, Father, as we live according to your word, Father, I thank you that we'll see your faithfulness and we'll fulfill our assignment in the earth. And in the end here, well done, good and faithful servant because we've fulfilled your will and not our own here. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, that was good.